Well, hi, and welcome back to Edifying the Saints podcast, uh, ministry of Maranatha Bible Church, located uh, just outside of Grand Rapids, Michigan, in Comstock Park. I'm Bob, joined here today with Todd and with Matt, and we are continuing our series on suffering and the sovereignty of God um, as we're looking at uh, uh, how we are to live before the face of God, or Coram Deo. Uh, last time we met, we discussed joy in the midst of our suffering and how the Christian can have joy and um, certainly should have joy, uh, not necessarily because of the trial that's coming on them, but in the midst of the trial that's coming on them. And so this week, what we want to talk about is growing in our suffering. Um, and so really, you know, we have we have two options. You either wallow or you grow, Right. And so uh, I don't think you're going to find in the Bible where it says, hey, sit and wallow for a while in your suffering. Uh, there has to have some growth that comes with it. So we want to talk about that. Mm. Um, and before we, we dive into what that looks like uh, on the boots on the ground, I think it's helpful to start with uh, just some kind of fundamental, foundational beliefs that mm. a Christian has to have in order to grow through those. Um, and I think the first one is, and this is probably the hardest one, uh, at least in my opinion, is that our suffering has a purpose. Mm. And so oftentimes we look around and we say, you know, what's the first question we ask? Why? Mm-hmm. Like, why are we mm-hmm. going through this? Let's talk about that for a minute. So how, how would you help somebody? How would you shepherd their heart through thinking, hey, what you're going through actually has purpose? Well, I think that's really has to be the key conviction uh, in our hearts because really as we think of suffering, I mean, I love that we're doing suffering as a sub-series of Coram Deo because I think this is likely one of the hardest aspects of the Christian life for a believer to live before the face of God in the right way because, you know, many times we have uh, those convictions, we look to the Word and the, the things that we see and we hold to those and then something happens and it just all goes out the window and we have those knee-jerk reactions, we react in the flesh. Um, but it's, uh, it's just knowing, hey, what does God's Word say ultimately about the sovereignty of God in everything and then knowing that suffering falls under everything. Mm. Um, so then looking to, okay, if I know that God is sovereign, if I know that He's in control of all things, if I know that He is good, I know that, uh, you know, Romans... 828, it's the classic verse, God works all things out together for good. Um, But then I I think we've said it before, you go on to verse 29, and then you see those who are called according to his purposes. What are those purposes? Uh, That we all be conformed to the image of his son. So just recognizing that there is a purpose in everything, and knowing that suffering just falls under everything. Yeah, and I think the key part of that is programming your mind with those truths ahead of time. Because if we're not already convinced of that, when we get in the midst of the trial, we're going to wallow, we're going to fall into despair, we're going to struggle. And so stockpiling our mind with these truths, particularly that God has a purpose here. I don't know, I don't know what it is yet. Uh, there are multiple purposes. Uh, Romans 5 says it could be perseverance, which mm-hmm. leads to character, which leads to hope. James 1 says that it develops our character and brings us to maturity. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of purposes. We've talked about those before. But I think the critical issue here is being convinced in our minds that there's a purpose and believing that to be true. 
um, and not trying to figure that out in the midst of the, the trial itself. Uh, I keep referring back to this little booklet by mm. John Murray, but could I read a couple of sentences on this very issue? He says, one of the most difficult things to do when the road is rough or when the sea billows are passing over us is to feel that God still loves us. It is the last thing we can accept, but we are not called to feel, we are called to believe. I think that's what we're getting at here is we're not called to feel whether we like this or there's a purpose. We're called to believe that there is a purpose there. And then uh, Spurgeon says, when we cannot trace God's hand, we can trace or trust God's heart. Mm. And his heart is always for us. Behind his frowning providence, there is a smile. And he does want to accomplish his purposes in us. So that's what he's doing. Yeah, because the Bible never says, here's how you should feel saved. The Bible says you believe that you are, right? right? And so by faith, you move forward, and the just shall live by faith. And, and so nowhere in the Scripture are we called to feel saved. There's nothing in there that says that. But it is to say that it, you are to believe that you are, not because of who you are, but because of who God is. And uh, so we have, to, we have to believe that there is a purpose. Because if there was no purpose... Then it's almost like they're saying that something, at least call it, you know, sovereignty of God, it, there's something outside of the control of God. Right. And now we're in a whole host of problems. So not only are we in the midst of a trial, but now we're, we're looking at the wrong God, right. so to speak, right? I would yeah. say not only do we believe we're saved, but we believe we're safe. Right. Hmm. We're safe in the midst <clears throat> of those troubles and trials and hardships and difficulties because yeah. of his ultimate purposes. That's right. That's why Paul tells Timothy, continue on in the things you've learned and become convinced of. So it's not just, okay, I can go to the word and I can parse out the verbs and I can understand, okay, this is what it's saying, but am I actually convinced? It's going from the head level to the heart level mm-hmm. and saying, I understand these things intellectually, but then I have faith in these things in my mm-hmm. heart. And that's what's going to drive our outward commitment. It's going to be inward conviction. Good. And the interesting thing is with that, how are you most convinced of something is when you experience that thing. Yeah. You know, like you, you can be convinced that the burner is hot and you can believe people that it is, but you are, you can believe it, but then you're convinced once you get third degree burns. <laughs> uh, so first of all, our suffering has a purpose. Second of all, the next kind of foundational or firm belief we have to have, um, we talked about this a little bit now, but that God is actually with us and that he is, and that we are right where he wants us to be. And I think oftentimes we... We forget that, you know, God sovereignly places us where we are. Mm. God moves pieces around the chessboard, if you will, all the time. And uh, we're not falling outside of, of his will, so to speak. And so, you know, Hebrews thirteen five tells us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And, you know, you can see that motif all through the Old Testament, that God's with his people. And you see the Psalms, right, that you're in the refuge of God. And, and so God is with us. And so oftentimes what happens when we, we get into the midst of a trial we often think God has abandoned us. And you can see that in the Psalms, right? And it was interesting is as soon as the psalmist is talking about God abandoning him, the very next verse is, oh, wait, actually, I need to be worshiping God, mm-hmm. right? You see this switch that goes on. So um, so how would you help somebody through that? Like, hey, um, I, I feel, and this is what you hear, right? And so you kind of the vernaculars, I feel, I feel like God's left me in the midst of this trial. Yeah, I think it's knowing that God's not sovereign just in the end and the result and the purpose but he's sovereign in the means in which you get to that end or in which that purpose is fulfilled. Um, We can't say that God is sovereign, but then there's aspects of that that he's not in control of. His his sovereignty is absolute. 
um, and his promises to his people are absolute. I mean, we, you, know, you just talk from Hebrews 13, he will never leave us or forsake us. So then that doesn't mean, well, perhaps there's going to be a day in the midst of a trial where his eye will go away from you, but then he'll come back to make sure the purposes get there. No, he's always with us. Um, so I, th I think it's just really understanding the character of God. I think we need to know God better. And then, I mean, this is why such sound theology really influences every aspect of our life. Because if we actually understand what the Word says about God and who He is and His attributes and all these things, and this starts to now bleed into our understanding of kind of the milieu, the daily Christian life, uh, these things are just going to be an encouragement to us. Mm. Yeah, I think specifically on the character of God, the omniscience of God mm. and the omnipresence of God. Mm. Like for me, those are both challenges and comforts. I mean, they're a challenge because I can't do anything without him knowing, but it's also a comfort. <laughs> right. He does know, and he knows where I am, and he sees. And, you know, we were talking about this earlier, the sermon from a couple of Sundays ago, you know, where Jesus sees his disciples in the boat on the surface of the Sea of Galilee, and they're floundering in the midst of the storm, and he knows. He knows. He's not even there. He's not even with them, but he knows. I think of Proverbs 15, 3, which uh, says the eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. He knows. He, he's not caught off guard by that. And there's comfort in that, that That's we're right. right where we need to be and right in the circumstances that we need to be in. Yeah, I love Psalm 139. I, I mean, that's a classic text exactly. talking about God's omniscience and omnipresence. And I love uh, in verse, you know, starting in verse 7 of Psalm 139, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? Where that can either be the most... You know, terrifying. the most terrifying <laughs> or the most just warming and comforting yeah. passage. Yeah, we're looking for the comforting yeah. and warming right, right now. Yeah, and yeah. he gives like these extremes. I can ascend to heaven. I can make my bed in Sheol. I can take uh, I can take the wings of the morning. Talking about the east dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea to the west. So it's just these extremes saying there is nowhere that you can go. Even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. So, and then if I say, surely the darkness shall, shall cover me. The light uh, about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. So regardless of the circumstance, regardless of where we are, I mean, he knows us intimately. He goes on to talk about you know, he formed us, he knows our thoughts, he knows our words before we say them, and he's with us always. So mm. what better person to have with us right. than the Lord because he knows us and he's with us always. Yeah, and then that, so that leads into kind of part two of that um, is what happens when, <clears throat> what happens when we, we do start to believe that God's not there is then we start to look at our own resources. Mm -hmm. And then when you start to look at your own resources, you realize your own resources are completely um, inept, right? Like they can't do anything. And so then you start going down that downward spiral mm -hmm. because you realize I'm in, a, I'm in a trial, I'm in a mess, I can't get myself out of this, God's not here anymore. And so then your mind starts to, to go to places that it shouldn't go. And uh, I like 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We yeah. talked about this beforehand, but mm -hmm. it's no temptation or no trial, no, no thing has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And I like what Paul says, these four words, and God is faithful. And how is God faithful? He says, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that or for that purpose that you will be able to endure it. And so, I, you know, kind of like what you said, the way through your trial is through your trial, right? right? And uh, and so it's, you're not going to escape out. It's not your resources, right? You see that the Proverbs talks about lean not on your own understanding. And so you're not going to be able to sit down and, 
and put together everything and say, here's how I'm going to do everything. Like, you need to rely on God because God's saying, you need my resources. I'm faithful, mm -hmm. and I'm the one that's going to take you through this. And he wants to take us through it. And he wants mm -hmm. to take us through it. He doesn't want us to hit the ejection handles. <laughs> right. He wants to take us through it because there's purpose in the suffering. That's right. So, yeah. yeah, that last phrase is key it so is that you'll be able to endure it. Because uh, probably some people will look at that and stop at the word escape. Yeah. Right. Like, okay, God, anytime you're ready, I'm, I'm ready out. to escape this thing. <clears throat> but no, yeah. there's it's it's the purpose so that you may be able to endure it. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's key that God wants to make us more like Christ. Mm -hmm. And to make us more like Christ means that we have to suffer because... We have to get rid of that flesh. We have to get rid of the idols. We have to get rid of the sinful desires. And so to do that, he's got to come in and, and hack some mm -hmm. things off. And it hurts sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, especially when our own heart is exposed. Uh, and so then lastly, you know, first it has a purpose. Secondly, God hasn't left us. He's, he's there. We're right where we should be. And then lastly, understanding that the season of life is mm -hmm. just that, a season of life. And some seasons last longer and some seasons may be, you know, if you have, you know, some sort of uh, injury that, that is going to take you from now until when you get to heaven. But even at that, it's still just a season, yeah. right, mm -hmm. that takes you there. And so oftentimes, you know, I, I remember, you know, having our first child and, and uh, you know, Suzanne would be nursing uh, Bobby and, and she'd be in the back room and we'd have like a small group in our house and she'd have to sit there the whole time and say, she's like, I feel like I'm just going to be doing this forever. Mm. You know, and so in the midst of it, everybody else is doing what they want yeah. but you're just like i'm stuck right here and mm -hmm. obviously we know that children don't nurse forever but at the same time that feeling can overtake yeah. you and you think man i'm going to be stuck here like forever because we take our eyes off of christ yeah. and we start putting them on our situation and so maybe you guys can speak to that what what does it mean by a season of life and, and how should we recognize that well again um we're looking at purposes so what's there's a time frame to get us from where we are to where that ultimate purpose is. And it's it's not going to be uh, perfect in its result because we're still in flesh. So maybe the end of that season, like you said, is when we're in glory with the Lord. Um, but even thinking about those calls to be heavenly minded versus earthly minded. Again, it's, you know, we average 80 years in this life and then there's eternity waiting for us. Um, so uh, oftentimes even a day seems like forever. Uh, you know, we use that hyperbole, but... I think just recognizing that there is a limited time. There is an end. Uh, for a believer, there is always an end to suffering. There, There is an expiration date to that. And it may be when the Lord returns, you know, I pray that he comes today even. Mm -hmm. That would be fantastic. Um, but but just knowing there there is there is an end to it, I think is, is comforting. Yeah, it's just a season. I think Ecclesiastes 3, you see that. He, he talks about there's, you know, seasons of life. There's mm -hmm. times of mourning and times of joy and um, times of life and times of death and, and so we just have to know that in the milieu in the mix of all of that the Lord's working and so there's comfort in the fact that this season will come to an end and there'll be a season of joy mm. and when that ends there'll be a season of sorrow and hardship and then another season of joy and then <clears throat> you die and then you have eternity <laughs> with the so, Lord which is yeah. way better than anything Amen. So I think we have to keep our eyes on the prize yeah yeah that's good so let's bring this down to where faith and life intersect, uh, suffering and growth. And uh, there's some really good stuff out there um, about it. And, and uh, I was reading some stuff from uh, Faith Lafayette Church and uh, pastor there, Steve Byers, and, and he's written quite a bit on this, uh, especially through biblical counseling. 
Um, but how, how can this help us? And so, I, you know, how do you grow in the midst of suffering? So you have these foundational beliefs, okay, there's a purpose, God has me where he wants me, it's just a season. And so now we want to actually use our suffering for the glory of God. And so, um, first of all, uh, the thing that suffering helps us with is it can actually reduce our love for the world. And so perhaps you're going through a trial or something right now, you've, you've, you've attached your love to something, you know, in First John 2, you know, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And he gives his command, do not love the world or the things in the world, right? And so we can, as believers, have a, an unhealthy attachment with worldly things. And they're not even necessarily bad things, right? Like, mm -hmm. But we make them into that by attaching our love to them. Um, and so help somebody who's saying, hey, I'm, I'm suffering right now and, and I think I'm loving the world too much. Like, how can you, how can you help them through that? Well, I just think <coughs> of, you know, passages that talk of, you know, the Lord being our refuge, our joy is in the Lord. Um, so even those, those responses, perhaps those kind of knee-jerk responses when we're in the midst of suffering is what do we run to? Uh, what do we run to in the midst of suffering to find comfort, to find joy? And if, if those things aren't the Lord, uh, ultimately, um, th th that, that could be one of the purposes that the Lord is using uh, through this suffering, through the trials, or perhaps the suffering itself is even coming from aspects of being in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so he's, he's wanting to draw our affections away from the creature to the creator yeah. um, and wanting to keep us heavenly minded. Yeah, I think what can happen sometimes is we find our satisfaction or our joy in the things of this world. Relationships or success or work or vacation or accomplishments or money or physical whatever. Uh, and so we can f subtly begin to find our level of comfort, security, satisfaction, joy in those things. And then trials come along and they start to affect those things. Mm -hmm. uh, I start to get financial trouble or my health starts to fade or uh, I lose my spouse or uh, I get fired at my job. Or I mean, these are kinds of things that happen in, the, in this life. And all of that has a way of just I think prying our fingers off of the things of this mm. world. We get so tight-fisted in, in those things. And they're all, for the most part, good things. Sometimes they're bad things, but sometimes we get so focused on what's good that we, we get a tight fist on them. And the Lord uses trials to just pry our fingers off of those things and say, this is not your home. Mm. Your home is with me, and your affection should be for me, and your satisfaction is found in me. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing that the Lord... Uh, just slowly begins to cause us to remember that uh, our citizenship is in heaven and we look forward to the day of being with him. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, another one, suffering <clears throat> can help us to see our inner man and what's really going on in our heart. And so kind of going with the first one, where where our, our treasure is. And Jesus says in Luke 6, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth what is evil. And then he says, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. And so suffering can come upon us <clears throat> because we have idols that are in our heart. Mm -hmm. We have driving motivation um, that isn't godly. And so God is saying, hey, I want you to see what's actually going on here mm -hmm. and uh, to conform us more into the image of Christ. So how would you help somebody see that? Like, how would you say, hey, how, how would you help somebody uh, be able to say, hey, this is an idol that's in your heart that's that the Lord's really trying to show you here? I think when you get squeezed, you got to pay attention to what comes out. Mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's yeah. kind of graphic, I guess, <laughs> in certain realms. But 
what, what happens when you get squeezed? What happens when mm -hmm. life hits? And what comes out of your mouth? What comes out of your actions? Mm -hmm. What comes out in your attitude, your tone? That, that's what you're getting at. That's mm -hmm. the real you, Yeah. right? That's what's inside, and what's inside is who we are. And so really these trials, as you're saying, have a way of revealing what's in our heart. And so again, back to the ultimate purpose, to conformity to Christ, Trials have a way of exposing what's in our heart, and then we can see it. And you, you don't see it unless you're under the pressure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't see it unless you're in the crucible and in the flames and in the heat. And you know, that's when you start to see these things come out. And so it's a sanctification opportunity. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah, and I don't think, or I, I think looking at that, I think it helps highlight the fact that suffering is a grace from the Lord. It can be. <clears throat> because, you know, these are often blind spots mm. in our life that perhaps without this season of suffering, we would be oblivious to. Right. And, you know, the Lord is a father who's lovingly disciplining his children. Uh, just you know, like if you, if, you, if you have children, if you saw this area in their life, you wouldn't want to just ignore it and let them continue on in it because you love them. Um, so I think we can be caught in the details of suffering. And again, it's going back to these purposes and ultimately the character of God. But I think it's it's these kind of, you know, once you start thinking of the actual practical application, this is the Lord's grace to us. Mm -hmm. uh, and we can often question, why are you doing this? Um, but, but it's because he loves us and he wants us to be like Christ. Right. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. And then paying attention to what's coming out as you're being squeezed, right? <clears throat> and suffering will draw us closer to the Lord for his grace in our time of trial. Matt, this is what you were talking about. What's the thing that you, that you run to? Um, and I think oftentimes we, you know, when you go through a trial and, you know, somebody, maybe somebody does something to you or uh, we have a tendency to, to run away. But what are we running to? Um, and I like what First Peter says, First Peter 5.10, after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, he said, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect and form strength and establish you. So the God of all grace. And so the thing that we run to is, is really indicative of what are we looking to for our hope. Mm. And, mm. Uh, and so when we fall into to times of trials, are we running to God? Are we or are we going to, uh, you know, trying to dull the pain through narcotics or alcohol or, you know, I just need a vacation or something like that? Or are we saying, hey, Lord, I need this grace that you have, mm -hmm. right? And so um, how would you encourage somebody in that to run to the Lord during that time? I mean, this is, this is one of the most practical applications of those principles that we looked at, that the Lord has a purpose. He's with you always. He'll never forsake you. And uh, just understanding the rich blessings that we have, the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, that we can, we can go to him and cast our anxieties on. And it's just we get peace that is beyond all comprehension. Mm. So you, you comprehend what you can gain from the world. And, you know, we think of, hey, want to go home, kick our feet up or be around a campfire, whatever's the most peaceful setting we can imagine. It's beyond that. It's beyond all anything that we can comprehend in our own mind. That's the peace that we receive when we cast our anxieties on the Lord. And then you follow those verses of Philippians 4, as we're dwelling on what's true and right and of good repute, as we're dwelling on and practicing those things, it says the God of peace will be with you. Mm -hmm. So in casting off anxieties and not, and not dwelling in the suffering and not you know, dwelling in the what ifs, but rather focusing on what's true, we get peace in both of those scenarios. So 
just remembering all that's ours in Christ. And now that we can call God our Father, we talked about adoption many, mm -hmm. many weeks ago, uh, but this is one of the practical applications of that as our adoption uh, as sons and daughters of Christ, or of the Father. Yeah. yeah. yeah I was, I'm still reading through the Old Testament, and so often it says there that the Old Testament saints... Well, the Old Testament Israel, who were unbelievers, they forsook the Lord. Mm. They did not cling to the Lord. They abandoned the Lord. He charges them with spiritual adultery, of, of, of walking away. Why did God judge them for that? Because that's heinous in His sight. He wants His people near to Him. He wants His people walking with Him. He wants His people clinging to Him. He wants His people staying near to Him and, mm. and enjoying Him and walking in His fellowship. And so sometimes even as believers, we get off track and, and the Lord uses those trials to draw us back and to seek Him and to walk with Him and stay near to Him. Uh, again, from Murray's little booklet here, uh, Frowning Providence, he says, Far more important than any explanation for our suffering is nearness to God in our experience. Mm. And then he quotes from Christopher Morley. He says, I had a million questions to ask God, but when I met Him, they all fled from my mind, and it didn't seem to matter. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, it's really good. Why are you doing this, Lord? Why are you making this, me go through this? Why is this happening? All these questions in our mind, and then he says, but then I met the Lord, and all those questions go away. Amen. That's what Christ wants. That's what the Lord wants, mm. our nearness to him. And so trials are often the way he does that. We don't naturally cling to him we're independent creatures and so trials have a way of forcing us away from our tendency to forsake him and run to him yeah it's like mm -hmm. jesus said right apart from me you can do nothing right right and so abide in me and so we are to to draw close to him uh, and then lastly because suffering ultimately is not about us right like uh, suffering ultimately is about god and and then Suffering actually causes us to be a better tool or mm. uh, an instrument in his hands that he can then use for the body. And that's what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 1, uh, 6 and 7. Uh, but if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And I just find that so fast. Mm. He says it to the Colossian church as well. As well. And, you know, like the, the idea he says here, but if we are afflicted, <coughs> it's for your comfort and your salvation. Yeah. And so Paul had an other's focus during his his trials. And, you know, you, you can read through Second Second uh, Corinthians and, and everything that Paul suffered. And I guarantee none of us combined are going to go through what Paul went through. Mm -hmm. And But he's saying, look, all of this is done for uh, this purpose. And one of the purposes is that you'll be able to comfort other people with the comfort that you have received. Yeah. And so... I like that because he says the, the comfort that you've received is from Christ. So you're not comforting them, coming up alongside them and saying, hey, I went through the same thing and, and you know, I, I pushed through this and I did this. But you're to take that individual and you're to point them to Christ. Yeah. Hmm. Christ brought me comfort. Now Christ can bring you comfort too. And then you dive in and say, here's how he brought us comfort. So maybe just speak to how our sufferings, we shouldn't be so focused on ourselves, but seeing how God's using that for the betterment of his overall kingdom. Well, yeah, we talked earlier about the fact that, you know, the Lord is with us uh, in the midst of suffering. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And we think of the means, like what what is what is the grace that the Lord has given us 
as evidence then of that. He's given us his word you know, we can go to and find truth uh, of who he is and his character and his love and his grace. We have prayer that, you know, we mentioned we can cast our anxieties on him. But we've also give, been given fellowship with the church, other believers. So it's very possible that the Lord is using this as a means to then bestow grace on other believers who need that, who need to be pointed to truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why, you know, there's this call to fellowship to be doing all these one another's. That's one aspect of that mm-hmm. is to be building up one another in truth. So, you know, we, we weep with those who weep, mm-hmm. but we, we ultimately say, you know, this is the character of God. I, I, I'm, test, I'm a testament to this. I'm a witness to this, that the truths of Scripture that we see, I've seen this lived out in my own life. I've seen the Lord's faithfulness mm-hmm. in my own life. I mean, that's, we see all these accounts in the Old and New Testament, and we go back to those as witnesses. Um, you know, I even think of Hebrews 12. We've talked about that before. It starts out, we have such a great cloud mm-hmm. of witnesses. Yeah. So the Lord provides these testimonies, both in his word and I think amongst just amongst, amongst fellow believers to say, you know, hey, this is, this is a testament to the Lord's faithfulness. Look, let, let me point you back to, to truth and who the Lord is. It's good. Yeah, it's good. seems like so often in <clears throat> shepherding situations, we have people coming to us saying things like, has there been someone else who's been through this in our church? Yeah. I'd really like to talk to someone else who's struggled with this or experienced this or they've been down this road before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we have someone in our church that's walked in those shoes and we can pair those people up, there's like instant credibility yeah. for that person who's needing counseling and care and shepherding to know that that person has, has been down that road. They can speak with some level of authority. They can speak with some confidence they they they, they've been there they can give hope that they've made it through yeah you know and so i mean i've seen that in the trials of our life the lord's brought people into our life after those trials and he's used the difficulties that we've been through so that we can be a blessing to others and vice versa Mm. so this is one of the blessings of suffering that's really good Well, I hope that was helpful as we're looking at growing in our suffering. Uh, we don't want to waste it. We don't want to wallow in it, but we certainly want to grow in it. Um, and so uh, if you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to, to send us an email. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.